Hey guys, I'm Darcy, founder of Spirit. And I'm Kelly, the chief technical officer of Spirit. Back in 2011, we formed the Supernatural Paranormal Investigations and Research Institute, searching for answers to mysterious things that were happening in our little corner of Canada. And we haven't stopped searching for those answers ever since. Join us on our podcast, Canadian Spirit, as we dive into all of Canada's most famous and forgotten paranormal mysteries. Examine the evidence and try to figure out what might be behind Canada's ghosts, cryptids, and UFO encounters. In Canadian Spirit, you'll get a peek behind the curtain and see for yourself what being a paranormal investigator is really like and learn something about Canadian history, which isn't as boring as it sounds. Even if it is, we're a pair of chuckle fucks, so we'll do our best to make it entertaining. So come along for the ride and discover for yourself what makes the land of maple and hockey so wonderfully weird. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, you know, wherever you find your podcasts. And remember, raccoons are aliens, werewolves are perverts, and ghosts are just downright rude sometimes. How's it going, everybody? This is Chewie. And this is Monica. And we are from the podcast titled Exploring the Myths Behind the Legends. <laughs> Where we talk about stuff like horror films, shows, and folk legends. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podchaser. Like us and give us a review. Anyways, yeah, it's been uh, it's been amazing. A couple of busy... It's been a busy week. Are we recording? Oh, I thought, yeah. I thought you stopped it for some reason. This is my track. <laughs> this is the Nostal Junk Podcast. Where one person's junk is another person's childhood. I'm Matt McGraw. And I'm Kyle Smith. Join us as we take a deep dive into your pop culture consciousness. We're back. Hey yo. Hey yo. Is this our intro now? Uh, I hope not. But yeah, really uh, awesome first couple episodes. Uh, a lot of great responses. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, shooting us messages, connecting. Um, I even uh, you even sent me a message. I, I forget his name now. He uh, sent us a list of like this huge list of nostalgic TV shows. This is Thomas Meehan. So TV, his number one show is Doctor Who. Wow. Yeah. See that? I mean, that's one show I I just never really uh, not like not the original, not the remake. Just never really got into. But I mean, obviously, it's amazing that. You know they have such a dedicated fan, and yeah, no, and and I'm I'm the same. I have never watched any Doctor Who. I probably am missing out. Are you were into sci-fi normally, really not? Yeah, neither am I really. I know you said. You, I mean, you talked about 2001 on our movies episode, but yeah, same with me. I'm not. You know, aside from I guess you know Star Wars, maybe a, some Star Trek. I love the reboot to Star Trek, but uh, yeah, I was never really into that as a kid. Same with like Doctor Who or anything mostly before 2001. My sci-fi was the Alien franchise, but that's because it's rooted in horror more than it is sci-fi. But he does have a show that he mentions other than Doctor Who that I'm actually, a, I was actually a really big fan of as a kid. Huge. Same with you? 
Huge. If you know what I'm talking about. And that's Power Rangers. Go, go, Power Rangers! I, lo- I loved Power Rangers uh, when, as a kid. Oh, dude. It's been so long since I've watched it. But yeah, no, I was definitely uh, um, just, yeah, tuning in every week. I love that show. What's the villains? I forget the evil queen's name or whoever she was. Rita. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Not as cool as how evil she was, but it was Rita. And what was the what was the the pink Power Rangers name? Kimberly. Yeah, I had a big crush on her. Of course. <laughs> of course. You mean Flashpoint? <laughs> what? Is she on Flashpoint? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Never watched that show. His number one movie of all time is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie. Was that that's what the that original cast, right? They made that. Yeah. So then his number two movie was uh, Doctor Who the movie. Uh, Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. Number four was Spirited Away and High School Musical, number five. Power Rangers, this is another cool thing. It's kind of like a really good band that somehow reinvents themselves, for better or for worse, every so many years so that they're new for a new generation. One band that I think of whenever I think of that is Green Day. Like They've transformed themselves just enough over the years that they will keep the diehard fans for hearing the hits but those diehard fans aren't too alienated by introducing maybe their own children to green day being like you know green day is still pretty important to a certain age group in every generation yeah for sure no that, yeah that makes a lot of sense so yeah anyways thanks thanks for uh reaching out thomas uh that's a that's a, that's amazing i'll have to definitely try to check some of that i think the only movie on that list that i've probably seen is spirited away mm-hmm. um, but that's an amazing movie so right Another shout out, got to give, uh, I know a podcast that I'm definitely a big fan of, I know Matt has now become a big fan of, uh, is the Shockwaves podcast. It's pretty much my favorite movie podcast, um, and I've been listening to it for, I think, over definitely over a year. They used to be called Killer POV. There's four of them now, there used to be three of them, uh, and they just talk all things horror, and now they're, they were picked up by Fangoria and Blumhouse Productions, like a co-production podcast now. And they're just amazing. They have a great rapport, uh, all four of the hosts. But in particular, Rebecca McKendry, one of the hosts of Shockwave. You she mean actually, Dr. Exactly. McKendry. I was just going to say, she actually has a PhD in horror studies. So, I mean, that's pretty, she's pretty much, that's the coolest doctor I think I've ever heard of. I have my list in front of me, but I am going to just change it right on the fly right now because when I was looking at it, I was like, eh, there was one show I'll, I'll give it, I'll give a special shout out to it right now, but it was the Sopranos. I was going to put the Sopranos on there. I love the Sopranos. Great show. It's like instantly compelling television. It's just amazing. Um, but in terms of something that maybe just means more to me, uh, there was other shows maybe that could have made this list like Parks and Rec, like The Office, but I read this awesome Vice article that really put this show on a new level for me. And it kind of described how the whole confessional documentary style TV that The Office obviously exploded with and Parks and Rec. But there was one show, one little show, one local show to us Nova Scotians. When I looked it up on Wikipedia, the first episode did premiere, I think, three or four months before the British uh, premiere of The Office. And that show 
is Trailer Park Boys. I'm going to give Trailer Park Boys its due. I love the show. You know, maybe I kind of fell off. They, you know, they've been going on a long time now. Uh, I haven't keep, kept up with it as much as um, I would like. But when just you're talking about characters, you're talking about a Simpsons type uh, town populated with so many memorable characters that just get up to so much shenanigans. Uh, and maybe because also it takes place in Nova Scotia, where we're both from. Specifically, I remember coming up next, a new showcase original, Trailer Park Boys. And I had not heard anything. No commercials, no nothing. I was completely by myself on it. Like, literally zero uh, outside kind of reference. And it started up, and it was like just cheap and documentary style. And it said, uh, I forget the correctional center that they, this, the season one starts on and says Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. I was like, what? Because I was, I grew up in Cole Harbor, which is pretty much Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. And just from the moment Ricky, Rob Wells, as Ricky opened his mouth, I think as soon as he said, uh, getting out of jail today, thank fuck. Like the way he said it, I was like, I'm in because he uh, just the style. I don't know. It was, it was uh, just instantly hilarious to me. Ricky, Ricky's one of the greatest, one of my favorite television characters of all time. Uh, of course, Bubbles, Julian, Leahy, the, oh, the late, great John Dunsworth. Come on now. Leahy, amazing. So many great characters. So many great stories, moments. Cyrus, that dick. You know, come on, man. That show's amazing. So I'll give, I'm going to bump this. Can you believe I'm bumping the Sopranos for Trailer Park? I can believe it. I can I believe it. Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. Interesting tie-in with the Trailer Park Boys. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. My father-in-law is... The Sam Squanch? Sam Lasco. <laughs> it is a culture unto itself that exists and is appreciated solely by us Nova Scotians. Yes, it can be enjoyed by many others, but my God, when you watch the Trailer Park Boys, you either know or are related to people indirectly, very similar Share the same accents. Yes. Maybe not the same situations, not the same crimes, not the same anything. It's just the thank fuck moments that you talk about that really gives you a sense of where it's from. They're proud about where they're from and keep making that a part of the show, too, which maybe makes it a little special to us Nova Scotians. But just watching it, you can spot the locations that they film at and they make reference to real places and and uh you know they, they use local news personalities i think kayla hounsel was on an episode at one point like i just i don't know it's it's very special to us nova scotians i think oh yeah man yeah my number five entry does feel like a little soon but then i think about what year it is and i'm realizing i'm aging and i'm forgetting how old i am Number five is The Wire. Ooh, The Wire. The Wire does rank very highly for a lot of people. Again, not influencing my decision, but you can see how gritty television reinvents itself every so often. And gritty can actually be accessible. And this is a product of reaching masses with great storytelling through a really dark lens. Mm -hmm. and, and really, that's all I can say about The Wire. To sum it up, it's a really, really great story of a dark place the location and city itself is a character yeah that's milwaukee right milwaukee oh milwaukee which is algonquin for the good land <laughs> does this guy know how to party or what huh huh okay <laughs> so anyway the wire yeah, yeah the wire i mean 
I've only watched a couple episodes. Yeah, one of those shows I just never got around to. Uh, all right, moving on. My number four, and this uh, now I'm going back and forth, obviously, with what the ranking should be, but I'm just going to talk about this one next. Uh, in this this age of uh, true crime is so huge now, right? Like we have the pod, the true cast, true crime podcasts have exploded. Uh, everyone's obsessed with it. This show kind of, for me, was the beginning of all that. The um, storytelling, the 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 crimes, ghost stories, even. Um, but my number four is Unsolved Mysteries as just one of my favorite shows ever. Uh, the scariest intro music probably of all time. Um, I actually, I if I put that on and I start to play that for my wife. She freaks out and she tells me to stop playing it because it's too scary. It's just so scary. And then you got Robert Stack coming out from the like the fog in an alleyway with his big ass trench coat. Um, you know he's about to tell you some really dark shit, right? Um, but man, so I just love something about Unsolved Mysteries. I tuned in for it every week. I loved it. I was obsessed with it. The 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 stories. The I remember the pictures of the people or the the suspects or the missing people always seemed a little extra scary. I don't know the way they'd zoom in on them. Um, the ghost stories, especially, I loved. Um, just a huge ghost story fan, and stories about the Queen Mary. I think I actually one of my nightmares that I remember just being, just I always remember this one nightmare, and I think it was from Unsolved Mysteries, where the um, the radio dial turns by itself. A ghost is turning this radio dial, and the 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 little markers going back and forth. For some reason, that gave me nightmares. So, but yeah, I love that show. That's my number four, Unsolved Mysteries. Haven't watched it since it's been on. And the only thing I remember is how horrifying the intro was. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Stack is Alex Trebek of true crime. It one's the 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 normal world and one's the upside down. Yeah, that's right. Well well said, sir. My number four. Trailer Park Boys. Hey. I was hoping it was gonna be on your list. Yeah, it is. Um and again, much like yourself, I've fallen off of the wagon season one two three four dude trailer park boys first four seasons so good such such like tiny attention like such an attention to detail in what makes those like characters funny little subtle things like ricky passed out on the road and when he like raises his head he has a little pebble stuck to his forehead or something you know just and it falls off and he's, he's getting up i don't know dude one of my favorite moments and to recreate it is to do it in an injustice. I hope I can find the clip and I will share it. But it is when the brakes are cut from Ricky's car and he's cruising in the distance and it's behind <laughs> the camera and Bubbles looks beyond the camera to see Ricky in the distance and he can't stop. He goes through Leahy's trailer. Mm -hmm. Bubbles, without the camera cutting goes jesus ricky moving at a good fucking clip <laughs> <laughs> the language yeah it's just so good like it's that comedic timing that it only exists with genius i could talk about rob wells as ricky all day but really in terms of a character a single character he's like the canadian homer simpson or something like he's he's that good of a character the rickyisms uh when he says stuff like worst case ontario or he says... It doesn't take rocket appliance to figure that out. It comes out of his mouth so quickly and so effortlessly. And if you listen to their podcast, so much of that show is based on improv, it seems. And 
Rob Wells can just like spout these Rickyisms off like it's nothing. It's insane. I I love I love Ricky so much. Yeah, I mean, yes. What more can you say? What more could we say? Probably a whole episode. Yeah, that's true. We should do a whole. We, episode. we should really do a, a retrospective on the first three seasons. Oh man! And now, see now, now you got me all talking about Trailer Park Boys. Now I'm jazzed I gotta, about it. Well, now I got to give a shout out to, uh, and I miss him so much on the show. But Jonathan Torrance is J Rock. Good lord, yes. so funny. <laughs> so many amazing moments as J Rock. Yeah, I mean, I, I, oh. you just talk about him forever. Anyways, uh, all right. So my number three, moving on to number three. Uh, Trailer Park Boys being a great ensemble. Here's another great ensemble. Although there was only five of them. Uh, and you know, it, I know it probably took Monty things like Monty Python to get here, but something uniquely Canadian, a great sketch show. My number three kids in the hall, um, talk about nostalgia, being a teenager in Canada, uh, just CBC, just, just a great, I don't know, it made you feel appreciative to be, I guess, Canadian, to be able to watch a show like kids in the hall. It was just, um, so surreal, uh, just great characters, great um, recurring characters like Chicken Lady and Cabbage Head and Mister Heavyfoot and uh, Bruce. Mc- just a perfect comedic cast. Uh, obviously, Dave Foley, Bruce McCullough, the guy with my pen, my pen. Remember that <laughs> that oh, sketch? Yes. Um, but yeah, again, appointment television. I would show up every week to watch that show. I loved it. And actually, I remember the finale happening so abruptly. Uh, and I almost, maybe, I don't know, I wasn't keeping up with the news or whatever, but I called them, I was calling up all my friends. I was like, are we seeing what I think we're seeing? Cause they were burying, remember the end, it ended with them burying all five of them and even, or what's his name? Paul Bellini. Mm-hmm. He was burying them. And I was like, are they burying? Is this show ending? It was, uh, um, such a blow, but I love that show. Uh, I re they, you can rewatch it now on CBC gem, their streaming service. And it's been great going back and seeing all those, those great episodes. That's awesome. Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. I remember watching that more than the show. Okay. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I never went, but you know what? Yeah. I'm going to go watch it now. You should. Yeah, this, it's amazing. Actually, it's funny. The Brain Candy, I remember the Roger, uh, just what makes me love Roger Ebert so much is I remember watching Siskel and Ebert that week that it came out and mm-hmm. Siskel started it off and he hated it. He went on and on and on and on about how brain candy was dumb and how he hated every second of it and then it switches to roger roger and i love him for this he goes boy were we off on this one and he loved brain candy and he gave it thumbs up yeah uh, yeah just yeah in this it's like a precursor to surreal humor like tim and eric awesome show great job just kind of weird you know just going for you know maybe trying not to make sense you know it's funny or not to make any sense like chicken lady like what is she's a freak well, show, I think chicken of, and, yeah right you know it's just weird but it it's works. like when saturday night live lets go of a really good writer because they come up with these kind of ideas they're like this will never make it that's kids in the hall it's yeah. all the probably the good sketches that yeah, were never maybe. aired for saturday night Live. that's how i feel about it like really really good sketches really hilarious out there zany niche market mm. very cool choice i really i'm ki- I'm killing it matt you are <laughs> fucking great all right so i was really torn with whether or not this is a kid's show or not but if we're talking about nostalgia another canadian classic and i mean a classic you'd see some old shows air at different times and this is not of my generation i had to look it up Anyway, it's from the 70s. 
hilarious host of Frightenstein. Oh, you're going there? Okay. So, again, I love that show. I don't, I, I, I don't really consider it a kids show to me. <laughs> okay, I got you. Because I it's got not you my now. top okay, kids show, yep. but it really goes back to like, man. TV was so cool back then. Man, I can't believe... Yeah, that's amazing you mentioned that show. That's one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a great series. If, you, if you're not acquainted with it, I'm sorry, but uh, you're missing out because Vincent Price is in it. Yes. And he... Yeah, he does the intro for it. The You know, that great Vincent... It, I, when that show started, I just... I loved it. I just get get right right ready for it because his voice and the thunder and lightning and all that, and he's like, you knew it was going to start. And yeah. Now, fun fact about that, I I did read recently that Vincent Price, I think he just didn't want to be like super pigeonholed into all the horror August and stuff. He he wanted to do a kids show, so it was quite a get for them at the time because it was like I forget where in Ontario but it was just like a kind of you know, a local cable network in Ontario that managed to get Vincent Price and he showed up and he did all of his, I think 300 different monologues or the 300 different poems. Was it over a day? I forget. I I think it was only, it was like a one session kind of day. And they paid him like 30,000, 40,000 to do it, I think for something, but amazing, amazing. That's so good. Igor, uh, the count, was he called Dracula or was he just called the count? The count. Yeah. Yeah. It was Billy Van that was the actor. Yes, and he played pretty much he was like the Hank Azaria of <laughs> the hilarious House of Frightenstein. He played so many characters. Griselda the oh, the cook. My favorite. Yeah. Seriously that, my favorite. I think between her and the librarian of the But it was Griselda the Witch, but she think thought she was a cook. Oh yeah. And she would put all this like really nasty shit into like a big pot and she thought it was gonna be good. And then every time she would taste it at the end and no, it was disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I I think it pretty well killed her every episode. <laughs> oh yeah. And I did love the running gag with the librarian. He was just like this old guy in a creepy library and he would try to scare you his because uh, it was a kid's show again, remember, and um, he would want to scare the, the kids with like a tale of terror. And every time it would just be some like ancient, I don't know, some text that oh was just gosh. boring. And it was and so would, boring and he'd fall asleep. He's like, well, his... maybe next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and you will find that you've arrived in Frankenstein. Perhaps the Count will find a way to make his monster work today. For if he solves this monster mania, he can return to Transylvania. So welcome where the sun won't shine to the castle of Count uh, my number two uh, now my number two and my number one are just interchangeable um, I do give the edge to one obviously I'm going to talk about in a second so I'll just talk about my number two the greatest show one of the greatest animated show of all time The Simpsons it's got to be The Simpsons uh, I talked before about how Trailer Park Boys has a town populated with characters i mean springfield is just such a create just what a masterpiece of a a creation of just a town of characters recurring characters voices 
moments. Uh, Homer Simpson. I've watched The Simpsons. I guess now it's pretty much my whole life. You know, when you talk about nostalgia, even it's just Simpsons goes back as far as I can remember. It's been around uh, as far as I can remember, and you know, it's like a soap opera. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it really. doesn't end. It, yeah, they, they even did that joke, like the cleaning of a house. It never ends. <laughs> And that is the Simpsons. Yeah. I mean, who knows how long it'll keep going. Hopefully, you know, I, I think the qual- a lot of people talk about the quality kind of waning, but every time I watch a episode from even five years ago that I probably have only seen once at the time, um, I, I almost, I, the episode will start and I remember it. It's like the, the power of the Simpsons is just, I can, you know, you just remember it. Uh, just so many memorable moments from that show. Well, um, I can't say that I am not a fan of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, definitely that was like, uh, to my mom, that was a taboo show. Yeah, same here. My grandmother did not want us, me and my brother, to be watching The Simpsons because of the the power of the anti-Bart Simpson campaign. That, that, remember right. when he first came out, the I'm an underachiever and proud of it, that whole thing. That uh, yeah, that In our house, I watched it with dad. Because dad liked it. He thought, he thought Homer was the, was the pinnacle of a fuck up. And we talked about with Clark Griswold. <laughs> yeah. He's lovable. Yeah. He's dumb. He wants the best for his family. He wants to do the best, but he's stupid. He is, it, although he can be selfish at times. But yes, he does love his family. Yes. And, and I think that's the, the end moral of, of the series is that. You know, as different as we are and as crazy as the episodes can get, it's still a family at the end of the day that it's fu- it's focused around. Yeah. And, um, you know, you could dad always said, if uh, if you had a bad day, put on The Simpsons, Homer's having a worse day. <laughs> That's true. That was his therapy. But when I think back, I think about my mom not approving us watching it. And when I say us, I mean me and my dad. So uh, I, I think that uh, I do have really fond memories of just uh, watching a show in secret with my father. Nice. Really funny moment, right? Yeah, Which is awesome. a very Simpson moment. That's really. true. Yeah. You know, you think about it. Anyway. Nice. That's cool. My number two. Another little piece of Canadian history. It's the Tom Green Show. Wow, man, I didn't even think of the Tom Green show when I was doing up these lists. That's a good one. And I was junior high. My uh, my really good friend uh, that I grew up with, Jason, he was always just ahead of the curve with whatever was edgy. Um, at the time, his uh, his sister's boyfriend was always into whatever was cool or edgy so he'd recommended to jason jason would recommend to me so you know tom green was such uh an innovator for shock that it became almost a farce of shock so like some people and i think a jackass i think of viva la bam like the more overproduced era where yes it's funny but you're like okay this was totally staged to the point where it was produced yes and it and it's scripted. Tom Green really went into the shock, but almost made fun of the fact that he's being ridiculous. And that's the difference. It's like having fun, having fun with creating something new, um, despite what people think. So, um, and he was a proud Canadian throughout all of it. 
incorporate a lot of Canadian landmarks, uh, situations, characters, all of that. And he was a one-person show. Yeah, he did. He did all the sketches again, very loosely, but um, it was it was very animated. It was very in your face. It would elicit emotion as a as a fan. You know, you were watching it, and then all of a sudden you're you're thinking, "Oh, that can't get any." Oh, it got worse. Yeah, I always think, and and some of my favorite moments are the more genuine responses. So, like the. You know, him pranking his dad and his parents. The slutmobile. Oh, dude. <laughs> well, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what your problem is, dad. It's just your slutmobile. I don't know what you're so upset about. Yeah, yeah. He pulls up to the bus shelter because his father refuses to get into the vehicle to drive it to work. Obviously, Remember because he's, he's driving alongside of him and he's not even looking at his at Tom Green. He's just like walking to the bus stop, not even trying to pay a trench coat and a briefcase. And his dumbass son has hijacked the car and had two lesbians on the hood. And it says the slutmobile. The look on people's faces at the bus. When, he, when pulls he pulls up. up yeah. Oh, my God. And but I feel, what I love about that sketch is Tom is overnight the dumpster next to the car waiting for his dad <laughs> in the morning. And the sound bite that comes out of Tom's dad is Jesus Christ. <laughs> Such a dad. The dad reaction. <laughs> oh my God. Those are those are the funniest moments of Tom Green for me. Right at that turning point for him when uh he went from Rogers public access, like the Wayne's world of Canada, essentially. Um, and he goes into comedy network. He then got enough traction and attention that he went to MTV. There was a gray period right in between. He came to Halifax and he was on breakfast television. And Jason and I flipped our lids because our boy is literally a block away from us Mm -hmm. on the other side of Olin's brewery where I, I was at. Okay. So, we get on the phone with each other. We say, oh, my God, we got to get down to breakfast television right now. Tom's on TV. He's already hijacked a camera from someone. He's run around the, the like right up close to it. It looks stupid. He's turning breakfast television into the Tom Green show. Anyway, they kick him out. Now, looking back, might have been staged, might not have been, because what he did was he spilled a cup of Tim Horton's coffee on himself yeah. and then said it was too hot. Well, they're the sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> so he might have been kicked out kicked out for real. Yeah, I wonder. Anyway, so they made a part of it. There's Jason and I standing on the sidewalk as Tom gets booted out of the gate at breakfast television. He turns around so casually and goes, Hey guys, and then goes back to his routine with them, and my mind just exploded. I went, Oh my god. It's Tom Green. But it was not just Tom Green, it was Phil Giroux. And Glenn. That's amazing. Yeah, he spent some time in Halifax, and we met him right when he was getting kicked out of the TV. That's hilarious. And that is a, that's a very firm imprint in my memory. So it's not so much about the episodes, not so much about the sketches. It's this, the impact the whole show had to Canadian youth. For sure. Yeah. Also, now that I, I mean, I'm just thinking more about that show, you know, it really was a precursor to... Um, you know, that prank based reality based kind of Eric Andre owes his entire career to Tom Green. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Uh, obviously jackass and 
just kind of the surrealness of his the spontaneity of of his sketches were so memorable. Lenny versus Benny. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you like some Italian polenta? You remember that one? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could just start riffing off of just old weird, random Tom Green moments. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he. Uh, I remember that one. He had the he made the cow brain boat. Oh my, the cow brain boat. Wow. Remember the the dead raccoon in the garbage bag? Oh, that he threw into the audience. Oh my god! <laughs> Everyone started getting sick. There was one where he was, and and I think it's actually pretty genius, and it's really funny. Um, it's gross, but if you can appreciate it, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Some um, critic had said that the show is nothing but poo poo humor. He literally poops in the toilet, picks it up. And he goes into the audience walking around. He's like, this this is poo-poo humor. <laughs> this is poo-poo humor. And someone touched it in the audience. Uh, Without missing a beat, Tom goes, oh, you thought it was a prop. <laughs> I do remember that. And the guy is like, yeah, I did. And he's like looking for something to wipe the poop off his finger. Meanwhile, Tom goes back to his like Tonight Show style desk mm-hmm. and puts it in a little doll's bed on the desk. Oh. All right, my number one show of all time. Is it going to be a joint? It was going definitely. It's a tie. It's definitely. Are you and I? I know enough about. I I know enough about Matt to know that this is, and a couple other of my friends that this is going to be probably a joint number one. I am so Um, glad that you love Colin Grace as much as I do. (laughs) Again, interchangeable with The Simpsons, but in terms of a perfect run of nine seasons. Uh, characters, yeah, like the the most rewatchable show of all time. I've I watch re I literally watch this show every day still. On I think they play it on FX. Anyways, the number one show of all time, the greatest show of all time, Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> just a perfect television show that just be, the the story of it all. Even like how Larry David and and Seinfeld came up with it. You know, obviously the first season's not the greatest. Every show has the kind of growing pains. Um, but man, did they find their stride really, really quickly in terms of what they wanted to do, in terms of their style, their language, their um, uh, just, uh, man, I don't know. So I could talk. It's just hard to talk about just so many great moments and great stories. And I just love that show so much. Seinfeld is fantastic. And, and, there, there's enough. There's enough of a presence now online that will say that they don't like it, or they never watched it. Who says that? People who I don't follow. Anyway, um, but no, Seinfeld I think is actually fairly rated, objectively speaking. Mm-hmm. I think it's properly charted as still being one of those greatest shows because it's aged well, despite it having its artifacts that put it back in like, you know, that crossover of late '80s to early '90s. Yeah. The context and the content of every joke and every situation is mm-hmm. still the same because it's always about being shitty people. And also just Seinfeld as a comedian, his style of humor was always, you know, he it was always like, um, you know, what's the deal with? Because his, his, his humor was based on just human nature and the funny parts about just being a, you know, the things that we all kind of go through. That was kind of his style. And that's what Seinfeld's about. Seinfeld's about those ridiculous moments we find ourselves in day in day out at work uh in relationships uh with our friends uh 
you know, and it applies to everybody. I the think. quirks of society. Yes. But I think the biggest takeaway from Seinfeld is honestly the cultural impact that it that it left in its wake. So like, you know, even years and and we're talking years now after it's it's ended, like it ended in 99. Yeah. So 98 99? I think so. 99. Yeah. Yeah. So now it is 2020. You know, like this is a good chunk of time since and we still use quotes like canon in our regular dialect. Yeah, it and cha- it did change the language, yeah. It changed the language, but it also um it acknowledges that fan or not, those terms came from something. Yeah, exactly. A close talker came from Seinfeld. Yada yada yada. Uh, yada 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 that's a big one you know like these are all things that we say every day and if it wasn't for seinfeld we might we might have figured out a way to say them now i'm not going to say that they that you know we couldn't have made it without them but it it was lightning in a bottle and as and seinfeld is also one of those shows where i go back and forth um with my favorite my character my favorite character changes all the time and still changes all the time which i just i don't know i find that kind of interesting um at first, you know, George was just Hugh. I would just love, love George. So I still love George. I think George might be the, the best character on the show. But, you know, then there's a moment in time where I'll just love Kramer so much. And Kramer's so perfect. And even Elaine gets... Elaine, uh, just her reactions or... Uh, I, I don't know. It just it, What's interesting about the show is that it changes even, even now with how I view it, how I view different characters and, you know, where they fall on kind of like that spectrum i guess it's how it's how they navigate their way through situations and i think that that's where it changes for us as as we get older because as we get older we get more and more cynical we get more and more displeased with the minutia of the everyday life which is seinfeld we turn into joe more george than, oh, than I, kramer oh. kramer just like they said kramer lives in a fantasy world and uh yeah, George is just the weight of the world is just beating him down at all times. That's me every day. <laughs> George or Kramer? Yeah, George. <laughs> so that's my number one. What? 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 Uh, what's your number one, Matt? Seinfeld. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's just safe to say we are going to do some Seinfeld uh, more in depth. But this is just a loose discussion. We're just sharing. We want to give context for our listeners of where we're coming from. This is not about us saying you've got to watch this. You got to listen to this. This is just us being us. But we are going to dig deep. And we are depending on you guys. And already uh, the listeners have reached out. Everyone's sharing their, their two cents. And it's been a lot of fun so far just connecting with other people over our similar tastes. Continue to reach out to us. You know how to get a hold of us. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NostalJunkPod. Uh, new episode drops every Tuesday everywhere you listen to your podcasts. And uh, don't be shy. Send us an email. NostalJunkPodcast at gmail.com. I'm Matt saying giddy up. And I'm Kyle saying is that a Titleist? Castle lights are growing dim. There's no one left but me and him. When next we meet in Frankenstone, don't come alone. (laughs) 
Hey there, I'm Lisa. And I'm Agnes. And together, we are Sass and Sips, a watch, rewatch podcast. We want to personally invite you to check out our podcast, where we'll be discussing TV shows from two perspectives. One who has seen the show before. And one who's not so sure. While we drink a lot. I mean, like a lot, a lot. (laughs) Every season, we will focus on a new show. And for our first season, we have chosen the iconic show Lost. We hope that you will come over and check us out. We can be found on your favorite podcast platform or at sassandsips.com. If you're down for drinks, friends, and television, then make sure you listen and subscribe. Because we're down for all of it. Yes. So listen with your bestie, open your favorite bottle, and sip and sass with Sass and Sips. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooged, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gag Me With The Spoon, The Other Half Of The Battle, and Chant With The Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes.